Shire is a um, social worker. Social worker, and he has done special work in the field of addiction. And the only addiction he's willing for you to have is he's got his master's degree in education. He teaches to not on, on the online, and that you can be addicted to nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're looking for an addiction, you can try his online to not classes. Um, otherwise, let's hear from him, and he'll tell us how we can avoid addiction. So we all think no way we would get addicted, but we can be surprised at the subtle ways that we can. Thank you. Okay, uh, I'm shy, everyone. Hello. Thank you for having me. Uh, I wanted to uh, basically uh, make two points tonight. And I would want to share some information, what I call the inside-out understanding. It's also called innate health, the three principles of innate health, which is an alternative approach uh, to dealing with addictions. I would like to talk about it more uh, theoretical and then share some stories uh, on that to make it more practical to get people more of a feeling. So there are two points I want to make tonight. One is that our thoughts create our feelings, that uh, you can't, just like you couldn't drive a car without gas, thoughts and feelings are one and the same. We're going to come back to that. And the second point that I wanted to talk about was everyone, regardless of their circumstance, regardless of what they're suffering from, uh, whether it's addiction, whether it's anxiety, whether it's depression, regardless of what they may look like on the outside, inside they have perfect mental well-being, perfect resilience inside of them. As I like to say, we're wired for wisdom. So uh, because the topic is addiction tonight, that's what I was asked to speak about. So the stories I'm going to share are a uh, revolve around addiction. And as well, I just want to give a disclaimer, any story that I share, you know, some of the details were altered, obviously. So if I say they live in Lakewood, maybe they lived in Brooklyn. If they live in Brooklyn, if I said they had five kids, maybe they had three kids, you know. But the actual stories are all true stories, my firsthand stories of people that I've dealt with. Uh, so I wanted to expand a little bit the topic of addictions, and I wanted to include in that habits. Uh, it could be a shopping habit, it could be a biting your nails habit, it could be uh, whatever, it could be, you know, although this sounds funny to say this OCD, it's, it's a habit. You know, I want to really broaden the way we think of addictions, you know, when we have, people have compulsions, people have all different sorts of things. Uh, so just to talk about, I guess, addictions, the most common addictions that people find is drug, drug and alcohol addictions, you know, whether that's alcohol, whether that's marijuana, you know, cocaine, heroin, pills, whatever, you know, whatever drugs are out there, that's what people are doing. So people become addicted. So, uh, so I wanted to, I guess, to take this further. So, so why do people do drugs? Why do people become addicted to things? And what does this mean, uh, the inside-out understanding? What does this mean that thoughts create our feelings? So when I say inside out, what I'm referring to is just a code word. I'm going to use that as a code word for thoughts create our feelings and not our circumstance. And when I say outside in, that would be attributing our experience of life to something other than our thinking, right? So if I'm sitting in traffic and I'm, I feel stressed out because I'm sitting in traffic, so that would be an outside in, that I think traffic has the ability to cause my feelings, right? An inside-out understanding would be, it's not traffic that causes my feelings, but it's my thinking about traffic that causes my feelings. So it's a step removed, right? So uh, I often do groups with my wife, and I'll, often I'll say, uh, I don't have a relationship with her, but I have a relationship with my thinking about her. And as my thinking changes, my feelings change, and my experience of that situation changes, right? A person could have someone in their lives where uh, sometimes they look at them and they say, well, that person's the worst person, most nasty person, I can't stand them. And other times they'll look at them and they'll say, oh, they're not so bad. Well, they were kind of nice. I kind of enjoyed that conversation. So what changed? Was it the outside in or was it the inside out? Was it they that changed or was it your thinking that changed? In return, changed your feelings. In return, created your experience. So you see? Uh, 
So what this points towards, and I like, I like to share with people that like if I go into someone's head and I kind of like suck out their thinking, right? So they would feel relaxed, right? We all know when we have less on our mind, uh, we feel usually in a better feeling, we feel calmer, and we feel more resilient in order to deal with whatever life challenges brings our way. So, you know, it's, it's, so it's, it's funny to say it like this, but really we're all living to some degree in a misunderstanding of where our experience is coming from. It's this inside out, outside in thing, right? So, and I'm gonna share stories about this, so hopefully this will get clearer uh, as we talk around this. So a, uh, an example of this would be like, uh, in a clinic, I worked in, a, in an intensive outpatient clinic for many years in Brooklyn, and a, uh, a lot of a lot of you know you see client after client. It could be very demanding and long hours at a time. And uh, what I noticed is that I used to come, and at a certain point, I started dreading coming to the clinic. You know, because I thought the clinic or my work had the power over me to make me feel a certain way. But when I real when so that would be an outside in. I think something other than thought in the moment causes my feelings. But then what I realized is, is that it's really it's inside out, that nothing has the power to make me feel or anyone feel anything other than their thinking. And no one goes into your mind and actually places a thought in your mind, right? So like no one has a direct experience of life. The way our experience of life is created, the way it works via thought, and I like to talk about thought with a capital T, like this, we have thought running through us, and as our thoughts change, our experience of that situation changes as well, right? And it's, it's fairly common sense, what I'm saying, it's fairly basic. But the ramifications of this, this outside in versus inside out, is like night and day. Because what happens is, is that a person, let's say when it comes to relationships, or when it comes to worrying or chronic stress, right? So anyone who puts, uh, 20 hours a day, chronic stressful thinking through their system, right? Because they think something else is causing my feelings. It's my spouse, it's my past, it's my financial status, it's my job, it's my partner, it's my coworkers, right? And there they're worrying and putting chronic stressful thinking through their system. So anyone who's doing that, so then it's going to make you wanna, it's gonna put you in a low state, you're gonna feel down, depressed, anxious, whatever it is. And then the next step is, for some people, is they turn to addiction. So in an attempt to change their feeling, in an attempt to feel better, right? So now we'll take Xanax, pot, alcohol, uh, you name it, whatever it is, right? So what happens is, it's addictions is not about the behavior. Right? It's about the feeling that a person feels uncomfortable with their feeling. They think something else is causing their feeling other than their thinking, right? And what happens is, essentially, that makes them more vic victim of circumstance, right? If I think something has the ability to cause a feeling in me to create my thinking, so then, now I'm back to victim of circumstance, right? And there are millions of circumstances that we're all a part of in our everyday lives. Right? But when a person starts seeing that it's an inside-out world, that thoughts and feelings are one and the same, that as your thinking changes, your feelings change. And that, that people split the inseparable. That the second, like, this sounds funny to say this, but like, uh, would you analyze your shadow? Right? No. But so your feelings is a shadow of your thinking. Right, that it's just one and the same. It's a mirror image. It's the second you have a thought, boom, you get that feeling. And the second that thought leaves you, boom, you have another feeling. And come with that, comes along with that feeling, a different experience of that situation. Because no one, no one has the, uh, no one has the ability to uh, put a thought in your head. But people go through, uh, let's say, traumatic experiences. They were maybe abused when they were younger, or you know, or different things, life circumstances happen to them. And what happens is, is that they carry that thinking around with them over time, right? The actual event only happened for a minute, or 10 minutes, or maybe it happened over a period of time, but it happened 10 years ago. And what happens, a person's still suffering from that now, thinking 
that thing has the ability to cause a feeling then. Well, it does if you're thinking about it, right? Because what happens is someone yells at you or you get in, something happens to you at nine in the morning, you're still thinking about it nine o'clock at night, how that happened. You were carrying it alive in your thinking. You were stoking the coals. You were chewing on it, mulling it over. And because of that, that feeling was staying with you, right? But when a person starts seeing that thoughts and feelings are one and the same, that they're carrying their thinking alive, that the actual experience happened ages ago, or hours ago, or minutes ago, right? So what happens is they move into an inside-out understanding of life, and there you you stop making yourself feel bad, right? You stop riling yourself up. You stop a uh, you stop turning the wheels on your thinking because you're making yourself feel worse. Right? Because all a feeling is, is like lately I've been sharing with people, they say, well, how bad is my problem? I say, it's thought deep. Right? As serious as you take your thinking, that's how serious the problem is. Right? Like a, uh, and we're going to come back to stories of this, but like I always think that if th there's one thing that you can train people in or talk to people about that if they can see, predictably, they'll become more resilient they'll become stronger, they'll step into an inside-out understanding of life. And what that is, is that our thinking, our thoughts, not only are they one and the same with our feelings, but that our thoughts are not so real. They're not as real as we believe them to be, right? Or as I like to say, our, thinking, our, our thoughts, thoughts are illusions. Like, a, uh, like, what's a thought? Can you take it out of your mind? Can you touch it? Can, you, can, I, can I take out my thought and I'll just put it in the middle of the room? I mean, I wonder how much space that would take up, right? But it wouldn't take up any, obviously, because they're not real, right? But what happens is, is that we, we, we're stuck in this outside-in, inside-out misunderstanding, that we think something has the ability to cause us a feeling other than our thinking. And when a person starts seeing the temporary nature of their thinking, that their thoughts are illusions, so what happens is they become less inclined to want to change their feelings or to feel that they're stuck in a feeling, right? And what happens is, is like a, uh, like it's, re it's really simple. It's like, like this is what, I, I see this like as clear as day. Like the more serious a person takes their thoughts, the more upset they are, right? The more down they are. But when a person, like everyone knows people that are seemingly, you know, well-adjusted and are good and they're not married to the content of their thinking. But when we're all, because thoughts and feelings are one and the same, when you're always stoking the coals on your thinking, this just in, I really don't like you. This just in, my life's going nowhere. This just in, my life is overwhelmingly unmanageable, right? So a person gets that feeling, they believe their thinking, they get fooled by the illusion of their thinking, and what happens is, now, they turn to drugs. Or another habit. Or they turn to alcohol. All in an attempt to change their feelings. And they, uh, but to the degree that they clarify that, uh, that misunderstanding that they're living in, to the degree that they see that their thoughts are temporary, that it's an inside-out world, not an outside-in world, is the degree that they start to raise levels. It's the degree that they feel more secure their feelings, less victim of circumstance, feel more peace of mind, see life with more clarity, and they uh, become more resilient. You know, because if, if you know, if I see that the sole cause of my feelings is my thinking, so then I'm less, in, I'm not going to blame anyone, right? Who authored that one? Ding, I did, right? How about that one? Me. So now that blame game that we're going to be play victim of circumstance over here, it disappears by the wayside. It becomes uh, illogical, as I like to say, to keep stoking the coals on your thinking. But you see, it's, it's a, uh, as I like to say, it's an innocent misunderstanding of how your experience is created, where your experience is coming from. And a, uh, the, there, there was a man, his name was Sidney Banks. He used to say, uh, if, the world not, if the world learned not to be scared of their own experience, that alone would change the world, right? That we, freak, we have a thought, we get a feeling, and we freak ourselves out. And we say, oh my gosh. I can't believe I just thought that. Or what's wrong with me that I feel this way? 
right? But the truth is, when a person starts seeing the temporary or illusionary quality of their thinking, so big deal. As I like to say, it's just a thought, right? On one hand, your thoughts could be extremely debilitating and lead you to do very horrific things. But on the other hand, when a person starts seeing the temporary nature of their thinking, the illusion of their thoughts, so what happens is, is they, they, uh, they rise up levels. They start to feel more resilient. They start to get insight. They start to feel more present. They stop feeling victim of circumstance. So when a person starts seeing it's an inside-out world, so you don't need to be scared of your own experience of life. You don't need to be scared. Be scared. Uh, there was an author I was reading. His name was Michael Neal. He said, uh, you're not scared of what you think you are. You're scared of what you think, right? Is that people, you know, as humans, we get thoughts and we get feelings and we freak ourselves out. But when a person starts seeing that, it's an inside out, that the sole source of their experience is coming from their thinking. So what happens is, is they stop being scared of their own experience of life. As like they call it waking up from a daymare. You know, we have nightmares, we have daymares. You know, and we, we innocently freak ourselves out because we fail to see the elusive quality of our thinking. Or another example of this, and I'm going to give, uh, you know, when you, I'm going to give more examples of this, like real stories, but like when you don't understand when you're, where your experience of life is coming from, when you don't understand that it's coming from thought in the moment, so when you think it's outside in, so now you're going to seek outside in things in order to solve your feelings, right? You're going to seek outside in advice in order to fix things. But really, there's no outside-in solution to fix an inside-out problem, right? There's no outside-in solution to fi fix your thinking in that way. Like, there's no magical button you could push to make your life better, right? There's no, a, uh, if a person is in operating on a false assumption that something could cause their feelings other than thought in the moment, so you're always going to be victim of circumstance. And, and in a certain way, I mean this, I mean this not in judgment at all, but I've met people throughout the years of me practicing who, you know, they've changed every single figure in their life as a way to avoid their triggers, right? Move neighborhoods, divorces, uh, you know, countries, jobs, religions, you name it. Because when, you, when you're living in a simple misunderstanding that you think your experience of life is coming at you, not through you via thought, so then you're going to be inclined to avoid every single trigger or every single thing that upsets you. But when you see that it's thought in the moment and no one has the ability to put a thought in your mind, right, and that thoughts and feelings are one and the same, right, you can't have a feeling without a thought or we're always living in the feeling of our thinking from moment to moment. So you'll be less inclined to avoid triggers because it's not a trigger problem, right? It's not a spouse problem. It's not a... It's not a, my first grade teacher beat me up problem. It's not, a, it's not an outside-in problem. It's an inside-out problem, right? So you don't have to be scared of your own experience of life. So when a person sees that, so they'll be, they'll be less inclined to seek outside-in things. So it's really cool. It's, yeah? How does that work, though, with, for example, the opioid addictions? Because... People are just taking it to get rid of pain. The doctor writes them a prescription. Sure. And so it's not like what they're thinking. They know they're in pain. So how does yeah. that, you know, that, and then all of a sudden they can't get off of it. So how does that kind of thinking work? Sure, because being in pain in itself is not a problem. But when you're experiencing your pain in an upset manner, right, so then you're going to be inclined to take uh, to become more addicted, right? You're going to become kind to take more and more, right? So, like, I know this is a mild example what I'm about to share, you know, but uh, I, I'm just reflecting for myself that yeah, I, I had the, I had a it's called I had strep the other day, right? And this is just a small example, but I'm going to bring a point from this. I, uh, I had strep the other day, so before I had understood that it's uh, an inside-out world, not an outside-in world, so I would get sick. And then I'd be really upset about the fact that I'm sick. And then I'd start beating myself up. Well, why am I sick? I hate the fact that I'm sick. Man, it's so terrible to be sick. It's like the worst thing in the world. And then I'd start getting angry when everyone else around me, right? So it's the same thing. But when you see it's an inside-out world, you could just be sick and be sick. You could just be in pain and be pain. But all the extra thinking that you have, 
around being sick, right, or having back pain or whatever it is that a person is being prescribed opioids for. So when you have so much thinking about that and you're becoming, riling yourself up, being upset about it, or being nervous or being anxious or whatever it is, so then, you're, again, you're gonna be seeking pills now to solve your problem, right? So it doesn't mean that a person doesn't have back pain, but what's their, ex what's their experience of their back pain, right? I, uh, Are that you saying that you're taking a pill because you're in pain? It's okay because it'll get rid of the pain, but yeah. when the pain's over and you're still taking the pill, that it becomes already outside in, and I'm telling myself that I need this pill now, and I'm convincing myself that I need it. Yeah, well, a person takes a person takes medicine as prescribed. It's certainly warranted, you know. But we're talking about when a person moves into the next phase, when they're starting to take it as non-prescribed. But, but being addicted to opioids or anything, being physically addicted is because they are addicted. Because when they take it needs are being met that makes them addictive. Yes, yes. And it's, and it's, I understand that it's inside out, but since they are they are addicted and they can no longer have it, wouldn't you think that they should really remove themselves from any triggers or people that maybe they also abuse a substance with? Well, yeah, so that's, you know, it's common sense. If you're smoking pot, you shouldn't hang around other pot smokers, right? Uh, but what I'm offering here is actually an alternative to that, you know, because what happens is, as I was mentioning before, people change every every circumstance in their life in order to avoid their triggers. So you're saying to change it the way you think about your thoughts. When a person starts under and uh, when a person starts understanding how their experience is created of life via thought, from the best experience to the worst experience, right? So then they you become less likely to seek outside in things in order to solve your problems, right? So it's not your parents that are the cause of your anger, it's your thinking about your parents that are the cause of your anger. That's a huge difference. Right, to change the way you think about your thoughts, you're saying. Yes, in a certain way, but I, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying, I don't want anyone to get the wrong impression, I'm not saying that you should actually pick the content of your thought and actually try to change it. No, I'm not saying your thoughts, you think the way you think about it. Correct, by just understanding this alone, this is the beauty, this is the beauty. and I'm gonna share real life examples, but this is the beauty over here, is just the understanding alone, a person winds up changing the relationship to their thinking, right? How do you change someone's thinking? Well, it's not about changing your thinking, it's about changing your relationship to your thinking. Means like, if I told you th thoughts like gravity, right, gravity doesn't wake up any, the gravity never says, you know, Shia, I really don't like you, I'm gonna pick on you today. I, j I just have it in for you. It's just, it just is, it's just a fact of life. And no one blames gravity when they fall. So it's the same thing with our thinking. Thought is like this neutral force, like gravity. From the day we're born to the day we die, we're always living in the feeling of our thinking, right? So we're, we're, we're created to be experienced machines, right? We have thought running through us, and as we're going through life, we're experiencing. Now imagine if you saw your experience with no judgment, right? This you're talking about thinking about your thinking, right? Imagine if you didn't judge your experience. You just felt anxious, and that was it. You just fell down, and that was it. Next, right? Means feeling anxious or feeling down is only a problem, providing you think it's a problem, right? So, like, I'll give an I'll give an example. Okay, picture this is anxious. Okay, this thought this is I'm gonna give two examples. Okay, picture this is anxious thought, and this is me. Okay, right? here's example one. Uh, outside, here's an outside in. Okay. La -di -da -di -da. Oh my gosh, I really don't like how this feels. Oh, this is so uncomfortable. Why am I like this? I can't believe this is happening to me. Every time, you know, yesterday I was like this too. Oh, it's so, I just can't deal with anything. Oh my gosh, right? Here's round two, okay? La -di -da -di -da -di -da. Oh, I feel anxious, huh? Look at that, it's just a thought. And then it passes. Because the thought left untouched will move on its own because just like gravity works, just like waves in an ocean are constantly going from the day we're born to the day we die, our thoughts are constantly moving, right? The average person has 60,000 to 100,000 different thoughts a day, right? Uh, it's like, so what happens is we grab onto a thought and then we could get debilitated by it. But when a person sees that, right, a thought left untouched will pass on its own, so you'd be less inclined to hold on to that thought let go of it, and another thought just zooms right in, you get a new thought. Or like Einstein would say, uh, the same thought that got you into the problem is not the same thought that's gonna get you out. Right? Something new needs to be introduced to the equation. That's what I call insight. 
The person starts getting insights or common sense or perspective or some wisdom or something for them to deal with the situation. Does that, is that answer? Would you mind if I interject? Go, go for it. So Average to above average and superior. I'm a school psychologist. So sure. Sure. But when you're talking about pathology, yeah, the, the existence of anxiety does alter thought. Addictive addiction, addictive thinking. If they're on the substances for long term, their thinking is altered. And then you're that also when someone's gone through so much trauma, which unfortunately a lot of our kids these days, and not even just kids, adults, adults. turning to substances because they're in so much pain. Correct. So. Um, what I'm saying is, is I, I'm trying to understand, like, when you're, and also, like, let's say, teenagers that I deal with, let's say, oftentimes, are not cognitively, even, even some of the Jewish kids, some of them are just not the brightest bulbs in the batch. So we're talking about metacognition as a higher level. Well, how would you try to embrace it? Sure. Let me, let me, let me, I could answer each question specifically, but let me share stories because I feel like it will get, it will, it will, it will get clear, you know, because essentially what I'm saying is, you know, it's not, like this is a very subtle point, and I could talk about this to you for hours, you know. But like person says, well, I have anxiety, that's why I feel a certain way. It's my anxiety. Let me ask you a question. How can a label make you feel something? Right? Anyone who has chronic stressful thinking 20 hours a day is gonna feel anxious. Anyone who has guilty thinking running through their system is gonna, whatever their predisposition is, is gonna be activated, right? Because when you Right, a panic attack, 30 minutes of chronic stressful thinking, your norepinephrine runs through your body and you set off a panic attack, right? Imagine, that's after 30 minutes we're designed that to happen. Imagine if you had anxious thinking 10 hours a day. What would that do to you? It would make you do drugs, right? Or it would give you, or, or, or it would trigger something else. What other predisposition? So again, it's not, it's like I hear this all the time, oh, well, that's my depression. Right? What came first? A label made you feel that way? Or was it chronic stressful thinking that's running through your system that's making you feel a certain way? Like what came first, the chicken or the egg? Right? So in, inside, in an inside out understanding, it's a person's chronic stressful thinking that's making them depressed. Right? Anyone who has, I've worked with clients and say, well, how, long, how many hours a day are you worried? How many hours a day are you worried? All day. No, give me, give me a number. 20 hours a day. 10 hours a day, eight hours a day, 15 hours a day. Of course, right? Anyone who puts that amount of worry through their system, right, is gonna do something, right? But when a person starts seeing it's inside out, when a person starts seeing that, that your job's not the cause of your feelings, your partner, your spouse, your boyfriend, your kids, your whatever it is, it's your thinking, right? It's not a label. It's not a label making you feel a certain way. A label can't make you feel a certain way, you know. Uh, I want to share some stories, and hopefully it will get it will get there. And I could certainly talk to you. This is what I do all day, so it's so much fun. Uh, it's really cool. It's really under. It's really neat thing because what it points towards is that everyone's default setting is health, is well-being. Because you could see, if you, right, as I like to say, life's too serious to take seriously, right? Like when we go through life with a light-hearted feeling, we feel stronger to deal with everything around us. Right, and uh, I'll share some stories. Some of them have to do with addiction, some not. Some are more serious, some are less serious, but uh, it will help bring out the points. Uh, I was working with a, a client. He was around 24 years old uh, in a neighborhood in the New York area, and he, what happened was is he had a history of sexual abuse. Uh, he was abused from a young age for many years on end. He, ended up in, uh, in and out of different psych wards, uh, and he had come to me, uh, he got assigned to me as a client in a place that I was working in. And, a, uh, and he had come straight from the hospital. And when I had met him, basically, he was very, very incoherent. A lot of his conversation, he'd be very withdrawn. And basically, he wouldn't interact with people. He found an empty base manager wherever he lived, and he'd lock himself there, basically in an attempt to avoid people, because again, everything's the cause of my feelings, right? So, a, uh, so I worked with him, it was around six sessions, uh, we were working through that, and I, and I started talking very basic. What's a thought? What's a feeling? Where do feelings come from? Are your thoughts real? Are your thoughts not real? Just really simple, right? Uh, anyone could get that, you know? And they, uh, sometimes the conversations were more coherent, and sometimes they were less coherent. And uh, what happened was is around six sessions in, he started opening up to me and he says to me, 
he was describing his abuse when he was younger and the unfortunate things that happened to him and he was forced to do. And he says to me, uh, and he starts saying, because of that, he has a blueprint, what he would describe as a schema. Uh, he had a blueprint that he built his life on, that he's been living his life ever since that, not to trust people and be distrusting of the world and uh, all that. And I said to him like this, I said to him, uh, I said, how would you, I said, how would you feel, I said, how would you, uh, I want to get the wording right. So as he's describing this, I said, how would you feel if you were able, if all that you described to me was just a thought? Everything you've described to me was just a thought. He looks at me like that, startled. And I said, I understand what I'm asking you, but how would it make you feel if everything you just described to me, all it was, was just a thought? No more and no less. And you know what happened? He burst out laughing in front of me. And then he started crying. And then he said, oh my gosh, I can't believe I was doing that to myself. I could laugh for the rest of my life. And he spent the rest of the session laughing and crying and thanking me. And he was giddy. I was like, oh my gosh, what just happened? You know? And uh, he heard it so deeply that his entire blueprint, everything that he made up, it was just a thought that he held to be very, very seriously. And that was it. Nothing to do with his past. Nothing to do with his psychosocial pathology, nothing to do with it, anything like that. Because inside of him, he had perfect mental well-being. Now, he went to a million psychiatrists and uh, all different things, and everyone else, oh, yeah, have this, you have that, you have this, you know, take this, you know, blah, 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 whatever it is, you know? And all meaning well. Anything that helps someone, I'm certainly not putting that down. Uh, but when he was able to see that it was just a thought, so then I met him next week and followed up, and I, I wanted to see if it stayed, you know? And he says to me, uh, he says to me, he learns Navi, so he knows that I learn Navi. So he says, uh, what you told me could have stopped the war between Yerobim and Rechavim, the split between the kingships. And I said, well, what did I, what did I just tell you? And he says, I never saw everything in my life was just so innocent, and I was carrying it with me all those years. And that was it. And he was perfectly fine. And, he says, and then the next week he came back. He says, you know, I'm thinking about going to college. I'm thinking about going back to college. I said, all right. And I said, you look good. You look like you're feeling good. He goes, yeah, I'm feeling good. So how about we go down to every other week? And that was it. And so I'm a few more sessions. And he enrolled in college. And he got on his way. Over. Like that. There was another person I was with. Amazing, right? Are we just, but are you disregarding previous feelings or thoughts or events? No, they're real, but the past is a reality that no longer exists. You see, it could only stay with you providing you're living it through your thinking. He wasn't an addict. He was not an addict. No, he was not an addict. Uh, there, was a, there, was a, there was a client I was working with who uh, for years was smoking marijuana, pot. I like talking about pot because it's a really big one. You know, it do, I feel like it doesn't get enough attention a little bit because it's becoming legal and it creates, I'm not saying it's bad, it's good, whatever it is, but a lot of people are addicted to it. You know, and the fact that it's becoming legal, I think, makes it a little bit more of a problem for people because I don't think it gets, I don't think it gets enough headlines. You know? uh, there was a client I was working with who was married with five kids and his name, I'm just joking. Uh, and they, uh, I was working with him, and he was, again, pot. And because of that, his whole life was going downwards. His wife certainly wasn't happy about it because he was checked out, you know. And, but he was, you know, I'm functioning, I'm doing my, doing my everything. And as I was talking to him, you know, I was just saying, why do you do it? Like, well, well you know, and he's, you know, I get, he's so shy, I get, I get so insecure. I get so insecure, and it's just that feeling, that feeling inside of me, so insecure. I just, you know, he wants to change his feeling, as we had mentioned earlier. So I said to him very nonchalantly, I said, well, what's the big deal about feeling insecure? I said, I feel insecure sometimes. What's the big deal about that? It's just a thought. And boom. He, he, hasn't, touched, he hasn't touched in about two years. He hasn't touched any, any, any drugs or anything like that. And that was it. A child, a teenager. Yeah. They don't shift, they, they can't think like that. Well, the, well, what I'm suggesting is actually they can. What, what? Tell, us, tell, us, tell us the, the method of your madness. Because they may not say, you know, the reason why a teenager, they could say, well, because I like how it feels. Yeah. Um, I don't have any negative thoughts, just um, when I smoke and drink, which I, I think I think pockets plenty of attention. I think alcohol doesn't get enough attention. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, it makes me feel inspired. It makes me feel good. It um, helps me connect with people, which is a need of mine. Um, it helps me feel valued, you know. Sure, yeah. So, well, it, and is it a thought? It's my reality. Yeah, well, because your thoughts create your reality. Yeah, and, sure. And, and that's what they say, and that's why I'm with well, yeah, you know, you, you know. I get it. Like, as a teenager. Well, I, I could share stories about, I mean, not prepared. You know, I could share stories about teenage. I worked in schools for years. Especially alcohol, because alcohol really, there is a physiological addiction that it's like, sure. they know from thoughts they want to change it, they. Well, you see, there, there is, there, I, I, I want to address a certain thing because it keeps coming up. Uh, there is a certain thing that there is a physiological component to certain, to alcohol. to alcohol and to certain things, you know, as was mentioned. But again, we only live life one thought at a time. You can't live life any other way, right? So because we live life only one thought at a time, when a person starts seeing that their experience of reality is created from moment to 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 moment, and again, and again, right? Like, I like to share the 100% rule. It's, it's not, like, if I'd ask someone, does thought have something to do with your feelings? Everyone would say, yeah, of course it does. But a lot of other things do too, right? Uh, what I'm suggesting here is, is that not only does thought have to do a little bit with your feelings, not 50% of the time, not 80% of the time, not 90% of the time, but 100% of the time we're living in the feeling of our thinking. Uh, the 100% rule, right? It's not like if your hand's on the fire, you take it a little bit off, you take it all off. 100% of the time, from the day we're born to the day we'll die, we're living in an inside out. That's the truth of how we work. We're living in the feeling of our thinking 100%. And we can't do any better than that because that's just how it is. But that's not how kids think. Well, actually, kids, I, I, I would say, you know, kids. Well, yes and no. I mean, well, you'll see with little kids, and we could talk about, I could, I could, lots of stories. Uh, you know, little kids, you'll never meet a three-year-old who says, you know, I really don't like that kid. He stole my lollipop three weeks ago. I'm never going to share it. You won't see that. Why? Because a little kid, right, what happens is they think it, they feel it, and then it's over. They don't, make, they don't have thinking about their thinking. They're not making up meaning. And unfortunately, as they're not relating to the content of their thinking. So you'll see well-being and resilience perfectly in kids. They're the best example of this, right? Because they're thinking, they're upset, and that's it. And as we get older, unfortunately, as we get older, as we become adults, as we become teenagers, and so on and so forth, we learn that our thinking is real. So we learn to take it but seriously. That's their reality. What do you mean? Their thinking is their reality, and it's the life they live in, and it's society, the pressures, you're even talking about pressures earlier, the pressures that are put on them by society, by the schools they're in, by the communities we live in. Sure, but that's not, a, yeah, that's correct. I agree but with but that. But it that's fosters not... their thinking. Well, yes and no, I mean, you know, because sometimes you'll have a kid. I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you an example. You know, I'm going to challenge you. Challenge. Sure. I, uh, in, in friendly, not in. No, I'm you know, you can Just to bring out a point. You know, you'll have a kid in a school, a client that I'm working with now in a school. Uh, you know, and he just doesn't want to do any work. And that's the expectation. You do good. You go to a good college, and you do, and whatever it is. But you know, he doesn't want it. And there are other kids in this class that are doing amazing, and they're doing lots of work. Right? So if the same expectation would cause everyone to act the same, that should be. If it was an outside-in world, everyone should fall in line to the same expectation, right? But if it's an inside-out world, you're going to have kids experience the same thing differently, right? The same, the, the, the same stimulus should make us all nervous, but it doesn't, right? Because it's an inside-out, even from this talk, this talk, it's just a fact. This is how it is. Some people are going to take away different things. People are going to hear different things. People are going to take away different points. Some people might really disagree. Some people might like it. Some people might, you know, three people watch a movie. One person was disinterested. One person liked it. And the other person uh, didn't like it. What was the movie? Good, bad, or worse? It's whatever you thought it was. Right? So if, with kids, you'll see that if it was an outside-in world, if that was the truth about how we work, so they should all react the same. They should all do well at school. They should all reach all the standards that are set for them. They should all come home and do their homework nicely and study, but it's not. So you'll have kids, and one kid will say, well, that's a really good teacher. I really like it. But your kid or someone else's kid will say, I really didn't like that teacher. That teacher's got it out in for me. 
you know, and I don't like what they're learning, and I don't find it interesting, and I, you know, I want to do my own thing, right? Because it's an inside-out world, not an outside-in world. We, not, no one reacts the same to the same stimulus, right? I'm just saying this to address, to, yeah. to, to address, to address I, the question. I, uh, yeah. I, I love this whole thought process. It's very interesting and, and abstract, let's call it, you know, but it is interesting, and I relate it to when I quit smoking many times in my life, and I had hard times, and then suddenly I was distracted, whether it was a car accident or something, and this and that, and then the next 20 minutes I didn't need a cigarette, because I wasn't thinking about it. So I could understand that in the addiction world, your thought really could control and help. I don't know how that comes into what she said, okay? A kid will drink and go to his friends and suddenly be the life of the party. Or suddenly girls will come up to him and talk to him that he never spoke to before. And now he's talking to the girls. And he's associating that to taking that drink or that smoke pot or a pill or wearing a special type of a shoe, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. How can you go to an inside out thought to say that, you know what, son? Use your head to tell yourself that you have that confidence to go up to that girl and talk to her or make a joke and, and be that same guy. It's a little more difficult to achieve that kind of uh, Sure. Level. Well, I'll, I'll give you an example. Yeah, did you ask that I cut you off? No, I, okay. I, I, uh, there was a kid I was working recently with who got thrown off a hockey team, right? And uh, he was acting extra wild on the hockey team. And he got thrown off his hockey. He was, he was very upset about it. And I was speaking with him. He got brought to me. And I was speaking with him. And he starts saying, you know, it's not really about the hockey team. I have so much stress in my life. Uh, this was a 10th grade boy. I have so much stress. This happened what, two weeks ago, right? Uh, I have so much stress in my life. It's not even about the hockey team. I realize what I did was stupid. But that's the least of it. You know, my parents and this and that and at home. And he starts telling me. And I said to him, uh, so I was, I was listening very deeply to what he was saying, listening, you know, and before squaring it up and saying, well, it's your parents' fault, well, it's this one's fault, it's that one's fault, you know, we'll play the blame game, we can blame everyone and talk about his early childhood or whatever it is. And I was listening very deeply to him. And they, uh, there's one thing that I know as a fact, that if he was able to see that his thoughts and his feelings are one and the same, and that his thoughts are temporary, Right? So he would uh, already start to see things with more clarity. Right? Because again, this is, the second, this is the second point that I wanted to make, that everyone has perfect mental well-being inside of them, regardless of what's going on. Right? That, so if I know that if he'd loosen up on his thinking, and to whatever degree it is, uh, he'd be able to see that. He'd start seeing things in a different life. His experience of that situation would change. So he starts telling me, and I was listening to him, and uh, I said to him, I was listening very deeply to him. I wasn't like saying, oh, well, it's just your thinking, yeah, yeah, blah, 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 you know? And I said, I understand, you know? But I said, you know, given, uh, I actually drew a picture for him. I'll show you the picture that I drew. This helps. Uh, I drew a picture for him like this. He said, I, uh, Okay. This is the picture that I drew for him. I said, here's your problem. Parents, hockey team, hockey, uh, stress. Sorry for the sloppy handwriting. I should have went to art school. I, uh, so I said, here's your problem. This is what I drew him. And I said, here's all you're thinking about your problem. Right? I said, let me ask you a question. Is that a big deal? If you just saw your problem like that, is that a big deal? He said, no, that's not such a big deal. I said, what about that? Is that a big deal? He said, yeah. I said, yeah, that's as big as the Eiffel Tower. Right? That's an insurmountable amount of problems. Because he was thinking about it. So, and I said, I said, you know who wrote this? He said, you know who wrote this? He says, who? I said, you did. I said, but what's the thought? Can you touch it? Can you, can you take it out of your mind? Can you do anything with it? And he said, ah. I just saw him like totally relax in front of me. And he looked at me and he's like, he was a cute kid. And he just started shaking his finger at me, you know? 
And they, uh, it was a beautiful thing to see because inside of him, regardless of his circumstance, he had perfect mental well-being. And to, the, to any degree, he was able to see not what his particular thoughts are, but the fact that he thinks and it's, he, he doesn't have a direct experience of life that it's coming through. I didn't articulate it. Well, you don't have a direct experience of life, you know? But I just showed him, look, look what you're doing. This is your problem, and this is all you're thinking about the problem. He automatically rose up levels. He automatically, as they say, all boats rise with the tide, right? When you have less on your mind, you, turn to, you tend to learn your lesson. When you have more on your mind, you tend to act like a moron, right? And they, uh, so it's the same thing. When he was able to see that's what he was doing to himself, he automatically relaxed. He automatically felt a relief in the moment. That, uh, Can you separate though between a, a person who is like, let's call him, he's not addicted, but he's using drugs, alcohol, because he thinks he's achieving more in life yeah. with girls or, or this. And then there's a the second part of it when someone is actually addicted, how he can stop the addiction. I understand that your brain can help with that, you know? But how do you explain to someone who just went to two different social events, or as my kid likes to call them, chills, you know? Yeah. That's what they call them. We go, we have a chill, you know? Like, it's yeah. a chill. So he goes to a chill, but suddenly he's the life of the chill. And, and that kid went into the closet and took a little bottle of something and drank it, and next thing you know, he was like, wow, you know? How do you explain that? How do you tell him he's not addicted, you know, but he's going to be addicted? Yeah. Well, it's not, it's, not, it's not to ignore proper education on anything, you know, like it's not to, you know, like it's not to ignore like the facts on the ground. These things are harmful and they could be bad for you. And, you know, so it's really uh, there, there was a client that I was working with recently and a lot of time we spent, we spent uh, showing him uh, mar- uh, like it was a teenager kid. A lot of time was spent showing just education, like really hip and with it uh, educational videos on marijuana. You know, and on alcohol, and on Xanax, and on cocaine, and on heroin, and you know, I mean, there is education. It doesn't throw your rational mind out the window. You know what I'm saying? So. Well, the kids, I mean, you all say to them inadvertently, you know, what were you thinking? I'm, I don't know. Yeah. And we all we all say that. We know that. You know, yeah. think therefore you are. We know thoughts. And anytime you say you're talking about what things, what what the heck were you thinking? They literally don't know. Yeah. That's well. That's why people make bad choices because they actually didn't like, create the space between their thought and their Sure. Action. Well, adults do that too. Oh, yeah. This is what I like to call psychological innocence. <laughs> that everyone's doing the best they could giving the thinking that they have. And you can't do better than the think, you can't do better than the decision you made in the moment, given your level of thinking, right? It's psychological innocence. You know, it's like, if you could have done better than you thought you were able to, then you would have. And the fact that you didn't shows that you couldn't, right? Given your level of thinking in the moment, you were operating according to the best of your ability, right? How do you do that? How so, do you so there's, change the thoughts or change their action based on their thoughts next time? Isn't that the goal? Well, ultimately, like, if it never occurs to someone, you know, so, like, it, it's, it, you're never, it's not going to, like, it's, it, you can't like you can't necessarily train someone to think like if it didn't occur like even as adult like if it doesn't occur to you there's a client I was working with who was a sex addict and uh, he was separated at this time from his wife and he was under duress for many many years from from very specific things and I started talking to him very loosely about the temporary nature of our thinking you know and uh, and that at our core we have perfect mental well-being. Uh, and, and once his thinking started loosening up on him, regardless of what his thinking was, just the very fact that he was seeing that he thinks, he's the thinker, right? And that we don't have a direct experience of life. I was sitting in session with him, and he says to me, and I just share the stories just in order to bring out the points, you know? Uh, he's, I was talking about, uh, you know, what's a thought? Can you touch it? Can you feel it? Et cetera, et cetera. That thoughts and feelings are one and the same. And all of a sudden, it was like the quarter dropped. He's like, he's like, all those years I've been doing that. He's like, there was such a simple solution. I could have just did, you know, whatever the particular thing was. And he was in such disbelief that the most obvious, commonsensical answer to the problem that he was struggling with was right in front of his face. But he was in such a state of duress, he couldn't, it, it didn't occur to him, right? He was... 
in such a, sta a chronic state of duress, his, his wisdom pipes were closed. You know, his comments, you know, we, we, and on a very simple level, we all understand that. Like when I'm angry, the most practical thing seems to evade me, right? But when I'm living life from the inside out, from a lighthearted feeling, so then these solutions, these insights, these common sense things, these obvious things become more available to you. And you feel stronger to deal with the situation that you're dealing with. You know, but when you take every single thought that you have so seriously, so again, you're gonna start, you're gonna start seeking for outside in things to solve your problems, right? And how about when the doctor is solving a problem by whether he's giving you an opioid, he's giving you a tranquilizer or whatever, and it's a very subtle kind of thing. You don't realize you're becoming addicted. You know that when you have pain every four hours or six hours, you're popping the pills. Yeah. And the body gets so used to it now, you maybe have to take it a little bit more frequently or less frequently. Sure. Um, at what point do you even begin to realize that now you become dependent on it? Because the doctor, in a sense, has made you dependent. He hasn't said you can do this for a week. He says every time you know, you know, when you feel this pain or you know, you feel the stress. Yeah. This pill. Sure, that's a really good question. You know, uh, I think for everyone it looks different. You know, like I'm not a, I'm not a psychiatrist. You know, but you know, people depending on their level of use, their level of pain. You know, are they over? You know, because it could be that a person, you know, a, you know, a per any time a person feels mild anxiety, now they're popping a pill and then they become addicted, right? If they would, if a person would, and I'm, I'm not blaming, this is not a judgment, this is just how I understand things, you know, uh, that uh, it's, in, it's an innocent mistake, you know, but when a person starts seeing that their partner is not the cause of their feelings or their spouse or their job or their work or whatever it is, that, that, a, uh, that thoughts and feelings are temporary and as they change your experience of the situation changes, so you'd be less inclined to take that pill. You know, you'd be less inclined to every time you feel mild anxiety to start taking a Xanax. You'd be, but if you think everything is the cause of your feelings, everything has power, you know, if I put the ball in your court for me to feel a certain way, it's a really bad business model. You're going to get little, very little return on your investment. But when you see it's an inside-out understanding and that a thought left untouched will pass on its own, no one has the ability to make you feel a certain way, right, and that's the truth of how we work, so you'd be less inclined. Uh, I'll, I'll end with a quote because I don't want to keep people longer, and people can ask me questions afterwards. Uh, it's, a, it's a book of poetry I like reading. Uh, one of the greatest misconceptions ever is the belief that it takes years to find wisdom. Many experience time, few experience wisdom. The achievement of mental stability and peace of mind is one thought away from everyone on earth, if you can find that one thought.